Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you'll enjoy it. My guest today, longtime friend of the pod, Tony Jones of The Athletic. Back to talk some NBA draft. Tony, I know it's been a grueling season. The Jazz season didn't end the way that Jazz fans wanted, and there's already a lot of tumultuous stuff going on in the front office in Utah right now, but at least you get some distraction by being able to talk about the NBA draft. Yes, uh, and, you know, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite times of year, um, uh, draft time, you know, and, and it's fun, you know, just basically, you know, diving into to all of the prospects. I mean, we do it a lot during the year, but, you know, now that we are – is today the 29th? The 29th of June. We're yeah, like so just we're, a little less than a month away. We're a month away. And, and um, you know, it, now it's, it's kind of go time, right? Like it's, it's, it's the time to really, you know, hone in on, on, on what teams want, what teams need. The, the draft order is set. So that's a good thing. And, and, and now we get to, to really, uh, kind of make some some you know informed predictions, if you will. So Tony and I are going to have some fun today. We're going to go back and forth on a on a mock draft, and instead of talking about what we think teams would do, um, there's been several pods. I've been on with John Hollinger talking about some of that or whatever. We're going to talk about what we would do. Uh, together if we were the general managers of positions and we're going to swap back and forth. I'm going to give Tony the first pick of the draft. Look, if you want to find out more about what I think teams are going to do, you can go head over to my website, nbabigboard.com. I have mock draft 2.0 up right now. That's based off sort of my reporting. This is Tony and I just talking about what we think teams should be doing here uh, with the mock. And so I'm going to kick it off. Tony's on the clock. He's got the Pistons at number one. He's been a big Cade Cunningham guy all year. Is he going to stick with Cade Cunningham here at one? I am going to stick with Cade Cunningham at one. And I am going to move Killian, Killian to the bench. And I'm going to give Cade Cunningham the ball from day one. Uh, he's uh, he's going to be my draft pick. He's going to be my point guard. Um, I think that he makes uh, the Pistons a potential playoff team next year. Uh, with you know Sadiq Bay and, and and Jeremy Grant, um, you know if they have a good free agency, get a couple shooters. Um, you know the Pistons are are giving themselves uh, a prototype lineup of long switchable guys, and uh, with a with a dominant ball handler and a dominant creator uh, offensively. Uh, so. Um, Cade Cunningham is 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 definitely my pick from Oklahoma State, six foot eight point guard, and uh, the Pistons are in a good spot. One thing I love about you, Tony, is consistency. You've been Cade Cunningham guy from day one. You're sticking with him at number one. What if the Pistons get a trade offer? Like, let's say Cleveland wants to move up to one. They want Cade. They offer three and, you know, whoever else they want, whether that's Jared Allen or uh, whether that's uh, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland or uh, Isaac Okoro. Three and, you know, one of their lottery picks that they've drafted in the last couple of drafts. Would you do that? ideal or is Cade Cunningham so good that moving down two spots in the draft and picking up another lottery pick just isn't worth it for Detroit? I would kindly uh, decline and hang up the phone and then block the number. Wow. All right. I wouldn't Tony block the Jones. number because maybe, you know, you know, there's, 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 there's trade offers down the road. You won't, don't want to burn the bridge. Uh, but yes, there, that would be a no. Tony Jones is all in. On Cade Cunningham, doesn't sound like there's a trade offer that he would entertain right now. Uh, he's taking Cade Cunningham one. Uh, by the way, I would take Cade Cunningham one. I maybe have a few more doubts than Tony does about Cade Cunningham, but I also would select uh, Cade Cunningham one for Detroit. All right, that puts me on the clock. Houston Rockets at number two. I think they should select Evan Mobley. 
I think that Mobley, to me, is the second best prospect in this draft. I actually think the gap between him and Cunningham isn't so wide. I think that he brings versatility on offense. I think he brings rim protection on defense, plus the athletic mobility to go out and guard guys on the perimeter. I know Houston's got Christian Wood there. I actually think these two can play together. And And just part of it, I think, for me, is just this feeling that Look, the, as far as the Rockets go, they have to take the best talent available. They're rebuilding. You can move Christian Wood. You can do other things. To me, it's Mobley. That surprises me. Um, I, I would have thought that you would have taken Jalen Green and formed um, a an elite talent backcourt of Jalen Green and, and, and Kevin Porter Jr., well, I think that's certainly in the mix for Houston right now. I'm and I look. I really like Jalen Green. I, I I really do. I really like most of these guys at the top of the draft. I would be comfortable with any of them. Typically, as a number one pick, but to me, Mobley's number two guy for me. So that's where I'm going. It sounds like you would have taken Jalen Green at two. Is that what you would have done? I would have taken Jalen Green at two. Um, um, you know, I think that you know, just having a dynamic backcourt. In, in the way it, it just means so much in today's NBA. And, and I think Jalen Green is a worker and uh, I think he's a tremendous talent. And I, uh, I think he's going to be a very, very good player in this league. All right. Well, you've got Cleveland Cavaliers then on the board. That's your pick. Jalen Green is available. Do you take Jalen Green at three for Cleveland? Okay. So you have Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac O'Connor. Uh, on your perimeter, all three young, really young guys. And um, so what I am doing in light of what you just did is I'm taking Jalen Green because he's the best player available. Um, And then I have to trade Colin Sexton. And uh, I trade Colin Sexton and try to get a a nice – uh, a, a wing who can play a little bit of two, a little bit of three, a little bit of four, who can shoot the basketball. Uh, I, you know, you, you try to you you try to see what you can get for for Sexton. You move Darius Garland to the point full time, and you have Jalen Green, and that's a dynamic backcourt. Uh, Isaac Okoro has has a chance to be a dynamic wing, um, but Jalen Green is the is is the pick there. He's He's uh, dynamic off the dribble. He's uh, uh, very athletic going to the basket. Uh, he has a really good mentality. Um, you know, he's he's one. He's a he's a guy that that's relentless uh, offensively. Uh, so I'm taking Jalen Green. I, I, I like that pick. I support that pick. I'm torn between him and Scotty Barnes at three. Uh, Scotty Barnes probably a better fit with their current roster right now. But as you said, you know, moving Colin Sexton and, you know, the Cavs are going to face a really tough decision with Sexton as he goes into restricted free agency. Uh, the, given how well he's played, he's going to demand a pretty huge contract, but I'm not sure the Cavs want to pay that uh, for a guy that I think they're not completely sold on as the point guard of their future. So you go with the star uh, in Jalen Green. I can support that um, at three. That puts the Raptors on the board for four. I'm going to say a couple things about the, the Raptors. I'm going with Scotty Barnes here. I Scotty Barnes, the more that I've watched him, the more I'm convinced that, one, he could play all five positions uh, at, at the NBA level, which is extremely rare for any prospect. I think his best position might actually be as a point guard, and at 6'8", with a 7'3", wingspan, he could be freaky. I am concerned a little bit about the jump shot, but to me, he's got everything else. He's got the athleticism, the size. He's got the sort of right mindset and, and mentality. NBA teams loved him in interviews. And I think, again, this is the Raptors not necessarily taking the guy that's the best fit for them, but maybe the guy that is going to have the long-term biggest impact. And by the way, if you're losing Kyle Lowry, I think Scotty Barnes can play point guard. I actually do. So all those folks are saying you're going to pass on Jalen Suggs for Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes is, in my opinion, a better passer and maybe a more point guard oriented player than Jalen Suggs is. 
uh, right now. And I and I love Jalen Suggs. So I, I've got Scotty Barnes at four. And then I, I'm going to just take it one step further. John Hollinger mentioned this in his column the other day. If I'm the Raptors, I, I seriously consider that that deal of Pascal Siakam going to Golden State and picking up maybe the seventh and maybe the 14th pick um, in the draft and doing a complete rebuild for this team right now. I don't think you want to just be a a 500 or six, six seed in the playoffs type team for the Raptors. I think they want to really go for a championship. This would be a good draft to load up on a few young prospects. So that's my guy at Toronto. You agree, Tony? Disagree? I'm surprised. Um, the thing that 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 bothers me is about Scott, Scotty Barnes right now is how does he score at the NBA level? And um, you know, you, you know he's he's super young. Uh, the upside is obviously there, um, but you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, is you know, you knew you know how much I love Patrick Williams at this time last year. And, you know, it's, it's fair to, to ask, it would have been fair to ask at this time last year, how does Patrick Williams score as well? So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that uh, Scotty Barnes is, is, is a prototype in this league. Um, you know, uh, just like I think Jonathan Kaminga is, um, you know, you, it, it's, it makes sense because, you just got to have six foot nine guys who can play multiple. And I think that the positional flexibility, like you said, having a big wing defender that can defend multiple positions, it's so critical uh, in the NBA right now. And, you know, Barnes has the ability to be a lead. The, the shot is a real question. And, and I think it's a legitimate question, but I think there's some signs that maybe it's not as broken as people think, uh, and, and by the way, if we're talking about Jalen Suggs, the shot's a little bit of a question for Jalen Suggs. If we're talking about Jonathan Kaminga, these are the other guys here. Shot, definitely a question uh, with Jonathan Kaminga as well. And so it's not like you're passing on an elite shooter uh, you know, to take Scotty Barnes. Well, look, that opens it wide up for you with the Orlando Magic at five. Uh, Jalen Suggs is still on the board. Jonathan Kaminga is still on the board. Who do you go with for the Magic at five? Well, you've just given me just literally one of the toughest decisions um, ever (laughs) Um, because Jonathan Kaminga is a need, uh, especially, you know, with, uh, you know, how much we question uh, Jonathan Isaac in, in terms of his durability. And even if Jonathan Isaac is, is, is durable for the rest of his career, um, you know, we just talked about it in this league. You can never have enough wings. Um, um, that being said, uh, the best player on this board is 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 Jalen Suggs. And you, uh, if you draft Jalen Suggs, that means you have Jalen Suggs, uh, Markel Fultz, um, uh, R.J. Hampton, and Cole Anthony. Uh, as predominantly point as predominant point guards, uh, so you definitely have a glut there. Uh, and all four of those guys, um, you know, you say, hey, you know, multiple ball handlers until you're blue in the face. All four of those guys are, you know, ninety five percent or and above point guards, uh, maybe outside of of Hampton, um, who you know, do not thrive at all without the ball in their hands. Um, and that being said, I'm still taking Suggs because uh, I, I am a firm believer that you take best player available regardless of, of position. And then you worry about fit later. I mean, you know, you worry about fit second. Um, so if you take Suggs, though, you have to figure something out um, with a couple of the guys at the spot. Uh at that spot on the roster um, because, you know, all four of those guys can't play, can't play in the same rotation. And they're all, you know, very obviously rotation play rotation level players. And really interesting, Tony, because, uh, you know, you can fall into this trap. I mean, you mentioned Cole Anthony, you mentioned Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton. Uh, None of those guys, I think, have the upside that Jalen Suggs does. Right. Uh, I also think Jalen Suggs can play off the ball. 
And you've seen teams in the past. I, I think about the Chris Paul draft where Portland passes on Chris Paul and Darren Williams because they have Sebastian Telfair. And, you know, Sebastian Telfair is pretty good. Uh, or at least they thought he was going to be pretty good at the time. And, and you pass on, you know, two, two guys that ended up being all-stars um, in return. Like sometimes where I think need can really mess you up is, look, I, I'm okay with you passing on Jalen Suggs if you have an elite all-star point guard, young uh, point guard. If you have De'Aaron Fox, I'm okay with you passing on Jalen Suggs. But, you know, not Cole Anthony. And as much as I did like Marco Fultz coming out of the draft, I, I think at this point, you know, Marco Fultz can still be something in the league, but probably not that guy. And so I, I, I agree with you here. Jalen Suggs would be my pick as well. Look, when we return, we will come back. We'll keep uh, drafting uh, further down in the draft. I'm with Tony Jones of The Athletic. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts to store or stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the other person behind the counter orders the parts of their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are back talking 2021 mock draft with the Athletics' Tony Jones. We are drafting who we think we should we would take in the draft lottery right now. We've gone through picks one through five. If you want to go and see what we think teams are actually going to do uh, in the mock draft, you can go over to my website, nbabigboard.com. Mock Draft 2.0 is there. Uh, draft Combine Winners and Losers is up over there as well. Uh, big board 6.0 coming off the combine there. Lots of great stuff to, to dive into. Tons of player cards. But right now, Tony and I are sharing our opinions. Who we think teams should be taking with their picks. We've gone through five picks right now. I'm on the board at six. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they would love to get their hands on Scotty Barnes. They could be a team that could package picks 16 and 18 to try to move up a few spots in the draft to get him. But if they're here at six, the one last guy in the big five, or now I'm calling it the big six that's left is Jonathan Kaminga. And I think Jonathan Kaminga is a natural Oklahoma City Thunder pick. Long, athletic, raw, tons of upside. These are the guys that Sam Presti has traditionally really liked over the years. He got a whole roster full of guys like that. Then with Shea uh, as, as the one sort of constant steady guy there, I still think that Kaminga is is a really great get for him, for them and a guy who over time could turn out to be one of the two or three best prospects in this draft. He's younger. You're younger than everybody else. He's definitely raw. His floor is a little bit scarier. But I actually like this pick for Oklahoma City. So uh, they don't – I mean, Scotty and, and Jonathan Kaminga are close enough that, you know, if you don't get one, you don't have to package picks up to try to move up to get – to, to, to get the, uh, the, the one, you could just take the other, um, you know, and everything that you said uh, is completely true, which makes him a natural pick here. Um, you know, he's, he's long athletic. He's got upside as, as an uh, all, all, all defense caliber guy. I think he has upside to be, you know, someday an all NBA guy if he works really hard at it. He has upside to be a, a real two-way guy. Uh, I think he has some underrated ball skills. Um, 
you know, he's 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 not a perfect prospect, but he is a very, very good prospect. Uh, and, and like Scotty Barnes, uh, he's the other guy that's the prototype in this league. Six foot eight, six foot nine, can guard two, three, four. Uh, you know, you 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 just need those guys on on uh, on the wings. You can see what the Clippers are doing. Um, they are, you know, even without Kawhi Leonard, they have so many six foot eight guys. Um, that they can just go small and, and just be really, really successful at it. So, um, you know, that that success and, 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 you know, the prototype that the league needs, people like Jonathan Kaminga and, and Scotty Barnes and last year Isaac Okoro, even though he's a little smaller, uh, and, and Patrick Williams, those guys are always, every year, they're gonna rise up the. They're gonna rise up every draft board because guys need six foot eight, six foot nine, uh, two way wings. Uh, like we need air to breathe. You can never have enough of them. Okay, Tony, that puts you at probably. Uh, you said you got the easy pick at one. Now you get the really hard pick. Yes. At seven, Golden State, because I think there's a tier now. We've dropped to another tier. There's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight guys in this next in this next tier right now. Golden State in a strange situation as well as you know they're going to be trying to compete for a championship next year, hopefully with a healthy Clay Thompson. Do they go with the best talent available? Do they get a guy that can help them right away? Who do you have the Golden State Warriors selecting at seven? I am going to turn the draft upside down at this point. Are you ready for this, Chad? Are, are you going to select Nemius Keita at seven? <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. That would turn it upside down. That would turn it upside down. Yes, I'm drafting Josh Giddy at seven. All right, Josh Giddy. I, I, I should have made a Jalen Johnson joke here, like you were going to draft Grant Hill. But okay, Josh <laughs> Giddy. I, I, I like I like Josh Giddy. Yeah. Uh, let's let's hear the thinking behind Josh Giddy at seven. Well, the thinking about Josh Giddy at seven. I mean, you're you're talking about. A six foot eight guy who uh, fits into Steve Kerr's offense. He is an elite passer. He is he is uh, not only an elite level passer in transition, but he is also an elite level passer uh, in in the half court. Um, I think that he can play right away. Uh, he's you know he can play to one, to two, to three. Um, and you know, you, you just need, you need guys that I think one of the, 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 the more difficult things of golden state's offense was they lacked, um, a number of high level, uh, passing and, and, uh, Josh Giddy would fit really well with Clay Thompson and, and, and Steph Curry. He's got uh terrific size, um, you know, he's, you know, the shooting is, is, is something that needs to come along, but, um, you know, he, he's somebody who I think has a chance to be a really good player in this league and that golden state offense really fits uh, his style of play. Well, I certainly like that better than John Hollinger having the Raptors taking Alpern and Singoon at four, uh, in the last draft. I, I'm, I'm a giddy guy. I, I think, Personally, for me, he's my favorite international prospect in this draft. I think the rationale um, behind that is strong. I think everybody in the world has them taking Davian Mitchell uh, here at at seven. But I think you make a strong argument why Giddy, who's only 18 years old, might be the better long-term prospect uh, for them. He certainly has the size and elite passing ability. Uh, whether he can shoot the ball and defend are definitely questions. All right, Orlando Magic. At eight, they get this pick via the Bulls. I'm on the clock. I'm I'm also torn here. Uh, you know, personally, uh, in in my mock, I have them taking Keon Johnson. But if it was me, and I'm taking the next guy that that I think you know on the board, uh, I, you know, I'm the most comfortable with, uh, you know, for a team like the Magic at eight, I think I'm going Franz Wagner here. And again, you're talking about a multi-positional defender who I, I think is just absolutely underrated in what he can bring on the defensive end. And I think on the offensive end, Wagner 
maybe isn't great. I think, you know, there's questions about ultimately his jump shot and, and a few other things like that. But ultimately for Wagner, he's, he's good enough offensively uh, that he's going to stay on the floor because of his defense. And again, his ability to defend multiple positions on the floor. Uh, I like Wagner a lot. I think he's a little bit underrated in this draft. And, and that's who I personally would select uh, for Orlando um, at eight. I know the Magic love long athletes and, you know, it's going to probably be Keon Johnson or, you know, something like that. But um, Wagner would be my guy. Uh, I would have thought that you, you know, thinking of long athletes, I would have thought that you would have gone Moses Moody there. Um, um, but I, I, I definitely see, I think Wagner would be, you know, a, a really good, listen, I, I happen to think that, you know, there are two things that run an NBA offense, passing and shooting. And Wagner's a really good passer. Jalen Suggs is a really good passer. Um, it, it, it really fits. And I, and I think, I think Wagner uh, is a guy that has high defensive upside as well. Um, yeah, I, I really like that that selection. I, I really wanted you to uh, hold off on Franz because I was going to go with Franz for for the Kings at Sacramento. Nine. Yes. Yeah, I think I think I think this is a natural spot. I don't see Wagner sliding past Sacramento at nine. I think he's a he's an obvious fit there for that team. And also an analytics-driven front office like the Kings are. Uh, Wagner is one of those analytics darlings right now. But unfortunately, I've taken him off the board, Tony. So who do you select at nine for the Sacramento Kings? At nine for the Sacramento Kings, I'm, I'm also just going to go best player um, uh, available. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, uh, at this point, it's going to be James Bonite. Um uh, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's got a chance to be, you know, just a real professional scorer. Um, you know, can score it all. Sort of like levels. Buddy Hill. Sort of like Buddy Hill, but I mean, he's, he's, you know, I think he's better with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be, you know, better at the basket than Buddy Hill. He's got a six foot eight wingspan. So, you know, he's got better measurables than, than, than Buddy Hill. Um, you know, he's really good off the bounce. Um, and he can really, really shoot the basketball. Um, and plus, you know, we all know that Buddy Hill's not enamored with Sacramento. You can, you, you know, Buddy Hill's a good enough shooter that you can move him, uh, whenever you want to. So I, I'm gonna go with James Bonac. You know, I think that's really interesting and so much to me about what he becomes at the next level depends on his, his shooting. And uh, he, he shot a little under 30% from three at UConn. That's a little bit concerning. Uh, he shot the lights out at a pro day uh, in Chicago earlier this week, which got NBA teams excited. I'm not personally that excited about a guy that shoots the lights out in a pro day. Uh, there's it's, that is not shooting in an NBA game, so I have some concerns there. But if if that is more indicative that pro day of of what he's going to become as a shooter, then I, I absolutely think he warrants um, a selection here. It's a little bit of a crowded backcourt uh, for Sacramento at that point. Um, obviously, Tyrese Halliburton there. Um, as well. And so a little bit interesting to see how that fits together. But, you know, Book Knight is one of those guys to me that I just can't quite know whether I want to kind of put him in the top 10 or whether I feel like more comfortable with him at like 15 uh, or something like that in the draft. All right, that gives me the Pelicans. It's Operation Do Something anything to keep Zion Williamson so that the Pelicans don't lose yet another elite talent uh, who wants who wants out of New Orleans right now and and I probably this is this is where I've been sort of targeting Josh Giddy you took him off the board uh, so I can't take him there and so I'm gonna put Davian Mitchell here I I still am a believer in Mitchell uh, I think he and Lonzo Ball could play together uh, in the backcourt in New Orleans assuming that they go ahead and resign. Uh, Lonzo, and I do think he's a guy that will come in right now and start to make a difference uh, for New Orleans and and bring brings a level of toughness uh, to the team that I, I think they could use as well. And so I I'm I'm comfortable with Mitchell sliding a few spots in the draft, but I I, 
I think it's a mistake to let him slide too far. So I'm going to put Davian Mitchell here at 10 for me. Um, I like it. Um, I, you know, obviously I love the defense and, you know, it makes it a little bit crowded because, uh, you also have, uh, uh, Alexander Walker, um, there, Eric Bledsoe, you have Bledsoe uh, still there. <laughs> Kira Lewis, um, you know, you have Kira Lewis, uh, you know, in addition to Lonzo Ball, but, uh, you can never have enough playmakers and you can never have enough defenders on an NBA roster. And Davion Mitchell is both. Uh, he is a playmaker. He is a defender. And I think the, the cream, so to speak, will rise to the top with, with Davion Mitchell. Uh, I think he does enough uh, on, on a bat that he's going to get onto a basketball court in any situation that he's in. Uh, I, I really like the pick. All right, that's 10 picks. When Tony and I come back, we'll do the rest of the lottery. And we'll also talk about the Utah Jazz and what uh, we think the Utah Jazz should be doing with a 30th pick. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Did you know the Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When we talk to Built Bar fans, they definitely are passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. My personal favorite, I'm a coconut guy. I also really like that salted caramel. They are delicious. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. And here's the crazy thing. Not only did they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we are back with Tony Jones of The Athletic. We are discussing our picks in a personal mock draft. We're going back and forth. If you want to see what we think NBA teams are doing, you can go over to my website, nbabigboard.com. I've got Mock Draft 2.0 up there. Big Board 6.0 just dropped after the draft combine. Big shakeups throughout that big board as guys have helped themselves or hurt themselves in the draft combine. Also, winners and losers of the draft combine. You can find all of that over on my website, nbabigboard.com. Right now, I'm running a special $34 off a yearly subscription, just down to $50 right now. Dive in. So much good stuff coming over the next month for the NBA draft. And then we'll dive right into the 2022 NBA draft uh, with lots of really interesting prospects there. Let's get back into this mock draft now. Tony, you're on the board. It's the Charlotte Hornets at 11. Who do you take in Charlotte to pair with LaMelo Ball? I'm taking our friend Sanguine from Turkey. How do, did I pronounce All right. name right? I think it's Singoon. Singoon. Um, okay. Yeah. So who knows? I've, I've watched... Uh, about 20 minutes of, of film on him and I love him for LaMelo ball. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of shooting on the roster and, you know, he, he's not a three point shooter as of yet. Um, but you know, his strokes uh, suggest that he has upside as a three point shooter. Uh, but he can still space the floor because he can, he can pick and pop you to death right now. Uh, he's got tremendous footwork. Um, he's got really good touch around the basket. Um, and you know, I think he's got a chance to be a really high level offensive player, um, in, in, in the league. He's not a rim protector right now. Um, but you know, what you want to do is you want to build around LaMelo ball. And I think giving LaMelo ball as much space, uh, to operate, um, in 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 the half court is 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 what you have to do in terms of building uh, a really good roster around him and and I think Sengun 
uh, re- really helps with that. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, that's that's where I have him going in the mock. Uh, Charlotte desperately needs a big. He he's been a tough one for me personally, Tony, to get to get my arms around. Like I I can buy the argument from an analytics point of view, and the fact that this level of production at his age in Turkey is is really unprecedented, and it means something. But when I watch him play, uh, I. You have to project a lot of things out to see him as more of a modern NBA big than more of an old school big. If we we're talking 15 years ago, I, I would say he's you know he's probably this the seventh pick in this draft. Um, but now I'm 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 a little bit more on the fence. I know that a lot of NBA scouts are splitting on Sengun right now, and it, it tends to be sort of a love hate relationship right now. But he is an interesting fit in Charlotte, and he actually is where I have him mocked to go right now in uh, mock draft 2.0. All right, San Antonio's there. They also need help up on the front line. And I'm going to go with your guy, uh, or at least he used to be your guy. He's still my uh, guy. Jalen Johnson. He's still my guy. <laughs> He's still your guy? He's still my uh, guy. You know, whenever you can get Grant Hill uh, for the 12th pick <laughs> in the draft, <laughs> you, you, you got to do it. And, you know, I, I again, in an increasingly positionless NBA, uh, you know, can Jalen Johnson play some four? Can he play some five for them? Uh, you know, he's he's a tremendous ball handler and passer for a player his size. Was a was a pretty good rebounder uh, at Duke as well. Has a seven foot wingspan. Uh, it, interesting prospect for me. Was hurt more by his decision, I think, to to leave Duke early than than his play actually on the basketball court. And, and so I think that's frankly probably why he's more in the 12 range as opposed to more the you know the 7 to 10 range uh how do you like his fit in san antonio would you have selected someone else um you know i i i think that he's such an upside pick that you know if and and here's the thing the thing with jalen johnson is um you know i i I think he's got to be in a really good situation in a really stable organization and, and really stable locker room. And, um, you know, from that perspective, the Spurs are, are, are perfect for him. And, you know, he's really somebody that, that can, if, you know, he taps into everything that he has talent wise, he can really do a lot in this league. He can handle the ball. He can pass the ball. He's a unique guy, uh, for his size. So, you know, I, I agree with the pick there, and and I think that if if you know if if Jalen Johnson goes somewhere like you know Sacramento, um, you know he's he's gonna have a lot less. You know, you know Tyrese Halliburton, he can thrive anywhere because he's he's a really level, mature kid, and you know, but I I think fit and locker room means a lot with 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 somebody like Jalen Johnson. Well, this could cut both ways, right? Spurs care a lot about culture. Maybe they shy away uh, from Jalen Johnson because of you know some of the stuff. Or do the the Spurs believe that they have the culture actually to sort of help him and help things go right? I think that's an interesting. Well, to, to answer that, I mean they 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 did draft Dejounte Murray, and and you know Dejounte's been absolutely terrific for them. Um, and, you know, and that's uh, so they have taken chances in the past and it has worked out for them. So we'll see. We'll 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 see how, you know, if they were to draft Jalen Johnson, how it will work out for him. OK, that puts you on the uh, the Indiana Pacers are up and you're selecting for the Indiana Pacers at 13. Uh, some guys that are still left on the board. Keon Johnson, uh, surprisingly, uh, still on the board right now. Moses Moody. A uh, guy that's on the board, Corey Kispert uh, on the board, Usman Garuba uh, on the on the board. You could make some stretches for guys like Zaire Williams uh, still on the board. Who do you select, uh, Tony, for the Indiana Pacers at thirteen? Well, I'm I'm taking Keon Johnson. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the big weaknesses for the Pacers right now is is perimeter athleticism. And uh, Keon Johnson is, um, you know, I think we, we have to look at him in, in conversation is the most athletic player in this draft. Um, he, 
you know, broke the 20 year record at the uh, NBA combine um, with a 48 inch vertical leap. Um, I think he jumped 43 standing vertical, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it was 41, 41 and a half, but that was still a record. Yeah. It, like his athleticism is just uh, ridiculous. Um, and, you know, it, in, in that, um, that contrast goes well with the skill of, of Malcolm Brogdon and, and Karis LeVert. Um, you know, he's now, you know, he's going to have to work at it. Uh, the jump shots got to come along. Uh, the handles have got to come along. Uh, but he's, he's got high upside. He's an elite 1%, 1% athlete. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking Keon Johnson for, for, for the Pacers. Totally, uh, you know, totally acceptable pick for them. Uh, a, a guy that could go, I think, as high as, you know, eight in this draft and definitely the best athlete in the draft. If he learns how to shoot, he's, he's going to be big time. Okay, that gives me Golden State. I've, I've got a choice between Moses Moody. I've got Corey Kispert. I could go Usman Garuba. I could go Zaire Williams. Uh, you know, maybe I could really, really reach and say Chris Duarte here because he's a guy who can come in and help the team right away. I, I'm of the opinion that rookies don't really help you that much, period. Whether they're 18 or 22 or 23 years old, the chances that they're going to be playing in your rotation in the playoffs are, 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 are slim. In fact, you're probably in trouble uh, if they are. And so that... That gets me steering away from, you know, maybe a Kispert or, uh, you know, a player like uh, Duarte, though I could definitely see them getting minutes in Golden State next year. I think they swing for the fences a little bit. So it comes down to Moses Moody, uh, who gives shooting and with that length, uh, you know, defensive versatility. Um, or do you go with someone like Zaire Williams and really swing for the fences? Uh, he's a much better athlete, a much bigger player. Actually has, a, ironically, a shorter wingspan, though, than Moses Moody because of that crazy, crazy stuff. And there's just major questions about, about Zaire's season uh, that, that took place in Stanford. I think if you keep two picks, you swing for the fences uh, with the second pick. So I'm going to shock the world a little bit and have Zaire Williams here uh, for for Golden State and and have this big 6'10 uh, athletic wing who can do a lot of different things and shoot the basketball and you just develop him. And, you, and, and then you hope down the road, if you continue to develop James Wiseman and Zaire Williams, you've got two really great pieces uh, down the road to help you. I understand he doesn't help Golden State now, uh, but I think if you're at drafting just on pure talent, uh, he's he's probably the guy for me. So, yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, somebody like B.J. Boston is, you know, going to has a chance to sneak into the first round because B.J. Boston is nowhere near ready uh, for the NBA, but. You know, it's like one of those things where, like, yo, if you hit on this guy, you're going to really hit on this guy. And, you know, Zaire, Zaire Williams is is further along, you know, I would argue much further along than B.J. Boston. And, you know, and, and if you hit on him, then all of a sudden you've really got a gem and you've just drafted him at 14. So, you know, he's, like you said, you know, six eight six nine guy can play multiple positions um you know right now i you know the team that i cover i just saw the utah jazz just lose in the second round because they don't have that prototype wing and and you know every team's trying to get them every in every season and you know you saw you, you know you see somebody like nick batum get chance after chance after chance after chance because he's six foot nine prototype and you just can't have enough of them in this league. And I cannot stress that enough. So somebody like Zaire Williams, even if he's not ready uh, ready right now, um, you take him in the lottery and, and you try to develop him. And then three, four years down the road, uh, you may have something big. All right, Tony Jones backing up the Zaire Williams pick. I thought you were going to crush me on that one. I, I wasn't, um, man. I, listen, just 
you gotta you you gotta find two way wings in this in this league right now. You just have to. It's just is it's really a requisite. And you know, and unfortunately, you know those 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 kind of guys just don't grow on trees at this point. Well, speaking of that, let's skip all the way to thirty. The Utah Jazz. You just stated it perfectly. It was a big missing piece on the Jazz roster right now. I think ideally. Given everything that's gone down in Utah, they're trying to find one of those guys at 30. The problem is, as Tony states, this is the most coveted position right now in the NBA. All of these guys are rising. So, you know, two months ago, Trey Murphy would have been an interesting pick. I don't think he's there anymore. Josh Primo, interesting pick. I don't think he's on the board uh, anymore uh, when when they draft. Uh, we could keep going through the list. Chris Duarte, don't think he's going to be there uh, when the Utah Jazz uh, draft anymore. And so a lot of the guys that might be the sort of usual suspects here, these guys are rising in the draft. And so at 30, Tony, who are who is the guy realistically that could be there at 30 uh, that you would like to see the Jazz take? I'm going to surprise some Jazz fans because, you know, I've been throwing out Herb Jones a lot. And, and you know, I've thrown out Trey Murphy a lot. Um, you know, I think Trey Murphy would be a – terrific pick um i think quentin grimes would be a really good pick for the jazz i think um i think even bj boston would be a good pick for the draft but the guy that i'm going to take right now today if he's there is jt thor all right let's talk about jt thor he he's suddenly gotten some big buzz coming out of uh you know coming out of the combine why jt thor right now he's more of a four but he can be you know, he's more of a 4-3. Um, but I'm looking at him as somebody who could potentially play all three front court positions, the three to four and small ball five. The Jazz lost not because not only because they didn't have anybody that can guard any wings, but they also lost because they could not match the Clippers in a small ball element. And I think JT Thor gives you your cake, your proverbial cake and eat it too. He's six foot ten. He has a seven foot four wingspan. Um, he can, he you know, you, you look at him. He can handle the basketball a little bit. Uh, he can attack straight line drives. Uh, he can protect the rim. He can shoot the basketball. Um, you know, he, he shot thirty percent from three uh, in in his one year at Auburn, uh, but his free throw percentage was seventy five percent, which you know, and 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 that's what you know, gives you uh, uh, hope that his shot has upside. Uh, he's left-handed, which gives him a, a natural advantage. Uh, I think that he can guard the perimeter. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that can really move his feet. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think that he's a nice um, – uh, he's a really, really nice upside pick. And he gives the Jazz a lot. He gives the Jazz a lot of what they're missing: length, athleticism, and positional versatility. So I, I'm going JT Thor right now. Okay, that's a big swing, because JT Thor uh, is is definitely a work in progress. The Jazz didn't do that last year when Jade McDaniel's was on the board because it, it's sort of a similar situation, right? Big to upside, fit all those needs. Instead, they decide to go with a player that I think they thought was more NBA ready in uh, Doku and and was, uh, you know, going to fit another need for them. Uh, but the the constant refrain that I heard from the Jazz on Jaden McDaniels was he was too far away. He would never earn minutes on our team. Um, we weren't going to be the right team to develop him. Quinn wouldn't play him. What makes you think that JT Thor is any different or that the Jazz the Jazz will do things differently this year? I can tell you through multiple sources that there was a big contingent within the Jazz that wanted to draft Jaden McDaniels last year. Uh, and um, there were there were four guys at the top of the board for the Jazz last year. Jaden McDaniels, Desmond Bain, uh, obviously Adoka Azabuki, and, um, and, and Xavier Tillman. And um, I, I, I can tell you that, you know, there was there was a, a, a big push internally uh, to draft uh, McDaniels. Obviously, the Jazz uh, took Azabuki, um, you know, 
but you know, JT Thor is 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 you know he's he's a lot like Jay McDaniels. I mean, he's I think he's more athletic. I don't think he's quite as ball skilled as Jay McDaniels is at the same same stage. Uh, but I think he's more athletic. Um, you know, and and the Jazz just need they they need a lot of versatility on the roster, and 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 JT Thor is, is a guy that gives you a lot of a lot of what the Jazz need in one guy. And, you know, if you're, you're drafting at 30 and, you know, somebody like that is there, then, you know, I think you have to take take a swing on him. I'll go even as far, even even though I, I think that this kid has so far to go, um, not only skill development-wise, but also with a motor. I mean, if Greg Brown is there at 30, if I'm the Jazz I'm thinking very. I'm I'm thinking very heavily with taking him because he's an elite one percent athlete, and the Jazz just have to get more athletic. They have to get longer, and they have to get more versatile. Uh, so I, I think that this is a draft that if the Jazz keep their pick, they really start, need to start making some swings. And that was my big argument for taking Jay McDaniel's last year. Uh, I wrote an entire article basically around it, like you got to take Jay McDaniels because you got to take a swing on a guy who, who can pay off big for you. Uh, and, and that's, 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 that's what it's about uh, all about in the twenties. I mean, uh, the thunder do that all the time. Uh, and, and, you know, and I think that, you know, they, they've missed on some, but they've also hit on some and you're not going to hit on everything. Uh, but if you hit on one, then, you know, all of a sudden you have a Rudy Gobert who you drafted at 27. Uh, so I, I think if you're the, dra- you're the Utah Jazz and, and JT Thor is there, I'm taking him. All right, there he is. He's Tony Jones with a bold prediction with JT Thor. I actually, interesting, I, I just was looking at the numbers. that you, you go to like per 100 possessions, and it's, it's some ways to be able to kind of, kind of compare apples to apples because it takes into, uh, into account minutes and, and pace and everything else as you look at Look at Greg Brown and JT Thor. You can make the argument either way. There's some things that Greg Brown shines on. He's a better rebounder. He's definitely a better shooter. Uh, he's he's more athletic. He's probably one of the two or three best players in the draft. Thor's bigger. Uh, he was a better defender, better better at steals, better at shot blocking. Um, obviously, the assists were much more in JT Thor's direction because Greg Brown handed out, I think, a total of seven assists the entire season. Uh, and and that's just a really interesting perspective. And you're right, it is what has helped teams that are very established actually be able to continue that by, by drafting not just a guy who can come in and get 10 minutes a night for you, but a guy that down the road could be big time for you. And so I, I really appreciate that sort of perspective and, you know, way to throw a curveball in at the end of our podcast. He's Tony Jones of The Athletic. You can go over to The Athletic, check out all the great stuff he's writing about. Very interesting time right now uh, to follow the Utah Jazz with a shakeup in the front office with Dennis Lindsay moving out of his role and becoming a, a special advisor to the Jazz right now. I, I anticipate, uh, and based off your tweets, Tony, I think you do as well, that we're going to be seeing a lot more shake up and movement in Utah over the summer. And so uh, check out Tony's stuff over at, over at The Athletic and check out my stuff over at nbabigboard.com. Thanks again, Tony. We'll have you back soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you as always. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.